0: Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Minnie. Minnie. How are you this morning?
1: Oh, I'm a bit sleepy, to be honest. <laughs> nah, yeah, Minnie, Minnie
0: kind of came in and had a bit of a yawn this morning.
1: Oh, every day, man. I get so yawny, actually. Like, even if I'm fine when I talk to people and I, <laughs> do you want to know how, what my brain thinks about Lyle? The other day, I was like talking to my dad on Marco It's an app which basically you can just send video messages bit, back to forth.
0: I'm a bit scared about finding out what your no. brain does.
1: Anyway, so then I was messaging my friend and she just sent this message back, just laughing and laughing. She's like, I just like that you're going cold. So basically I just started messaging you and I wasn't like, hey, how are you doing? I actually hate like how are you greetings. I'm like, I'll ask you when I mean it. I'm going to mean it and I'm going to ask you anyway. I was like, you know, I've been, thinking about- <laughs> I've been thinking about teeth. I've been thinking about how some people when they yawn, you can see their teeth so and you sometimes have, you can't. So you,
0: you have a skip intro button.
1: <laughs> well, what's the point? Just get to your point <laughs> yeah, like and it. then we're all nice and clear <laughs> and then I want to know how you're going and it's sincere.
0: You would not have done well in the first century in biblical times.
1: No. Whole no. chapter of
0: whole chapter of saying nice things before you start saying what I'm like,
1: you... what's the point?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do it's, I do. It's agree. very
0: it's very symptomatic of the society in which we live. Mm. I mean if you look at uh, for instance, you know movies from 50 years ago. They're going to have, you know, a long, long intro Mm. and everybody gets named and there's lots of (laughs) music and all kinds of stuff happening before the movie actually starts Mm -hmm. and now there's a really short one. And it has a skip intro button. Yeah. This is Minnie right here. This is Minnie. She has a skip intro button. That's Excellent. fantastic. How are you th- feeling this morning? Oh, just amazing.
1: Oh, always. Expect yeah, nothing best. less. God
0: is good. God is always good, you know. Oh, there's always things. so many things to be thankful for. Uh, I was going to tell you what I was thankful for. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
1: Before I go into positively different news, I actually do want to know what you were thankful for.
0: Fingernails.
1: I love that. So maybe do you want to expand on that?
0: Okay, so I was thinking about this the other day, right? Fingernails are really, really useful things for just you use them all the time, you know, picking at staff, pulling at staff. they protect the ends of your fingers and they grow back. Pretty handy. Imagine okay, imagine this. Imagine if fingernails were like the rest of your body and didn't grow back. What use would they be? Not be useless. They'd be useless because you'd wear them away in the first maybe year of mm. life and they'd never come back again. Mm. But God created us with fingernails, which are super useful tools, and he made them. He's like, okay, you know, fingers don't grow back, hands don't grow back, you know, that kind of stuff. But fingernails, these are going to wear out pretty quick. They're nice and soft, you know, like they're kind of like the, the texture of hard plastic so you, mm. can, you can do all kinds of things without making harsh scratches. You know, they're not hard like stones or whatever. Yeah. Um, So you can do all kinds of useful things with them. But because they're kind of soft, give good protection at the same time, they wear out. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I was thinking about it. Well, I was thinking about this because I damaged one of my fingernails.
1: Have you ever had, speaking of damaged fingernails, I did this to my toenail once. I don't know if... I think I got stood on by a horse or something, dropped it. Anyway, whatever it was, it was like fully black and purple and I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, it was just there for ages. Next minute, it just randomly falls off and I have one growing underneath, but I didn't know. And I was like, it was just so weird when you see it like being little again because normally it covers you know your whole tip of whatever and it was just this like teeny tiny thing that started. I was like, oh, hey, buddy. <laughs> like,
0: getting a new fingernail. Yeah. Getting a new toenail.
1: They are pretty cool. Yes. Speaking of fingers... One of my good news stories this morning is there is a tiny species of nano chameleons which has been discovered in Madagascar. They think it's the smallest reptile ever found and it fits on a human fingertip. Like so
0: wow, there's like a lizard.
1: Yes, but a teeny tiny lizard.
0: That is amazing.
1: Yeah. So they reckon uh so Frank Glore, he's part of the international team of researchers that Classify the new species, and he said that most of the male specimens appear to be just thirteen point five millimeters long. So oh, that's awesome. I don't know what that is. Like in. the size of an ant. Yeah, it's well, it's yeah.
0: Depends what what kind of ant. Size of a jack jumper.
1: Yeah, think like a little bit smaller, just than bigger a jack than a centimeter.
0: You don't have jack jumpers around here. But I, I have don't know. know what that All is. of my Tasmanian friends know exactly what I'm talking about, and have been bitten by them from time to time.
1: Oh, are they pretty... Are oh, they, they sting. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, they'll get you. Right. They, they'll go for you.
1: But could you imagine just like finding this little chameleon that just like goes in your finger? That's just... I just think that'd be the oh, cutest thing. Oh, I would so
0: love to find one of those. Right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, But, yeah, so they were saying that they kind of accidentally found them on an expedition back in 2012, but because they're so small, you know, they were like, you kind of have to get down on your knees and kind of get real quiet and they move really slowly and also they have kind of a little bit of a natural camouflage. And so,
0: <laughs> hence the name chameleon. Well, yes. hence the reason we we use that name chameleon for all kinds of that's things right. involving camouflage. Blended
1: in a bit, yeah, exactly. And so they said it's yeah yeah, it just kind of been interesting. But they said chameleons in general are threatened by deforestation in Madagascar, um, which is home to numerous numerous species of this. But it's an exciting find, and they they reckon it'll take a few years to actually say yes, it is the smallest reptile found. But I just reckon that's cool.
0: That's amazing. Like, I was looking I want at one. photos. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <for> <laughs> Absolutely. What else would you want for a pet?
0: I don't know, but I, I really want one of these, And maybe a wombat. I got wombats on the brain this morning. <laughs>
1: That's so good. I just, I
0: just like the uh, new tennis trophy that is a wooden wombat.
1: Interesting. Uh
0: huh. Yeah. I, you know, usually it's like a silver or a gold cup or something rather. But
1: now it's a wombat, a, wood,
0: a wooden wombat. So much better. Oh, just cool. epic, and it's cute.
1: Wombats are like kind of interesting creatures. I've never seen like many in real life in the wild, but every now and then really? I've seen one. They're pretty yeah. solid, chunky things.
0: They are. I think they're amazing.
1: They're very cute, actually.
0: Yes.
1: Um. So another story is so among a Japanese forest in the southern island of Kyushu, I want to say. Aside from the songs and trees, you might have heard faintly the sound of bark playing recently. So. Bark. so yeah.
0: Bark. I've never heard Bark playing.
1: Bark is in the composer. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying this is in the bush,
0: like as amongst the trees, and I'm thinking, yeah, never heard Bark doing that. Well, okay. Cool Bark, the, Bark, the musician. Yeah, B
1: A C H. Yes. Uh, so, creative director, whew, here we go, Mori Morihiro Harano. Yep. I apologize for butchering that. And his team at Mori Inc have collaborated with the carpenter Mitsuyo And sound engineer Kenjiro Matsuo, and they have made and placed an enormous xylophone in the forest. Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: I think that's a sound that would go really well with the forest.
1: Oh, yeah. And so it was designed to play Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring, which is the final movement to Bach's renowned cantata, Herz und Mund und Tat und Leben. Um, It's crafted from hundreds of pieces. Quite
0: the story you have here this morning.
1: I'm just joking. It's all interesting. All the big, like, all the big words. I know. I'm like flipping between know. Japanese and German.
0: <laughs> doing well, mad. doing well.
1: Oh look, we'll give it a go. But yeah, it's crafted from hundreds of pieces of different size wood, and it's obviously down at an angle because the way that they play it is that they have a wooden ball that kind of travels down it, and so oh, as it hits yep, each yep, different yep, thing, that's cool. it's actually really cool. Um, but. I was watching the video as they were trying to design it and put it together, and so in designing the instrument, they had to kind of cut um, kind of, I guess, um, grooves into it so that the ball would follow but continue down this straight line to hit every note and, you know, not fall off the side or sure. anything because that's going to be a problem. It's going to stop. Yep. Um, and I was just watching. I was like, this is incredible. You know, just getting it just right. You want the sounds to be – I mean, I guess you could do it, but it takes time. I just think it's interesting that they got the idea to do it and it was super beautiful listening to it because before it all starts you kind of hear just, you know, the forest sa- sounds and then it's kind of just this like
0: ball, this moving, ball playing this
1: bark song. And, and away it goes. Yeah. And I was so
0: like, so when you said a giant xylophone, I'm thinking, okay, like a big thing and, and somebody stands there and, 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 and plays the thing, but this is actually like every single note in the concerto or whatever yeah, it yeah. is that uh, is happening is a different piece of wood.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's cool. It's pretty cool.
0: How often do they do it?
1: Well, I don't know. Didn't specify that. I tried to watch a couple of things and I was like, how long is it? It's um, okay. I don't know, but long. It's long. Yes, it's it's pretty long. And then there's a section where I can't remember how the sound effect goes, but it's kind of a um, vertical thing that has a lot of pieces that the ball passes through, and it's just cool because then it kind of drops, and then it just keeps playing, oh, um, just wow. because you know part of the song it just kind of needs that sort of sound effect. Uh-huh. And I, I I love this. I love that nature. Just not nature, but what movement can do and the sounds it can make. You know, you're just like, oh, it's just a ball moving. Yeah, but you give it the right environment. You're making music with that. I just think that's cool.
0: That is. That is epically cool.
1: I don't know much about how to do the technical side of things, but I actually have to do a – so I'm going – you guys know I'm studying pract teaching if you listen to me, uh, if if you listen to Faith FM. So in a couple of weeks I'm going to be in a school and I've been thinking about some science classes, which I do not have a sciencey mind. The problem is, when I get an idea... I could make
0: some suggestions for a science class.
1: Yeah, but I'm not good with the, like, the details of like actual reality. I'm just like, we could do this thing! And I'm like, oh, I don't even know if that's possible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, we could make a giant xylophone. Yeah. Yeah, it might take you a little bit longer than uh, two or It'd three be weeks. be a while, yeah. yeah.
1: You're listening to The
0: Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
1: Um, you are going to tell us some news.
0: Okay. Oh, yes, about the perpetually offended.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that is what you were. We do.
0: Going to tell us about. We do. It's, I, I kind of. It's funny. We live in a world where um, there's a certain demographic that just kind of can't live without being offended by something.
1: I think it's interesting because there's also an element of I'll be offended for you even if you're not offended yet.
0: Oh, absolutely. do you know what I mean? Like, there's a bit of that too. <laughs> That's a very profound statement. <laughs>
1: anyway, so tell us what what's the Okay, story? so uh,
0: you've got obviously a change of government in the United States, which has got a lot of uh, people you know either very happy or very upset, depending mm-hmm. on which side you're on. And um, there's a lot of um, people that have been that have celebrated a lot of the changes that were made in the first couple of days, things like uh, trans people being allowed back into the military, military, men being allowed to compete against women in women's sports, uh, biological men that is. Um, he's rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement, provided funding uh, to countries that provide uh, pro-abortion counselling and has lifted the travel ban on certain Muslim nations, just to name a few. There's been a whole list of uh, things that uh, people have been very offended about for throughout the Trump administration and so now um, Biden's come in and he's done all these things and so they're celebrating all of that. But now... They've got a new problem on their hands because Joe Biden is a very religious man. Right. Unlike Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump wouldn't have known one end of the Bible from the other. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Joe Biden is a, actually one of the probably the most devout uh, religious people, just Roman Catholic, that I've ever seen in office in my lifetime. All oh, right. And so he includes a lot of religion into things that he does and he says. And so, for instance, um, he uh, quoted Psalms 30 during his inaugural address. He quoted from uh, Augustine. He, in the pandemic uh, commemoration, they had a commemoration service for all those who died during the have died so far during the pandemic. Um, and he included a speech by the Archbishop uh, Wilton Gregg, um, he included the hymn Amazing Grace. Um, he attended the National prayer Breakfast. Now, well, all of the presidents do that. Mm. But these have sort of been flagged and highlighted. And so now there's a whole bunch of people, kind of actually the same group, who are freaking out over all of his religiosity and uh, are asking the question. Um, he, he stated that, you know, faith is key to the healing of the nation. Um, and he's pledged to do nothing about Donald Trump's change to the Johnson Amendment, which formed a level of union between church and state.
1: All oh, right. Yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Very, very interesting stuff. But this has got a whole bunch of people of no faith who are really happy about, you know, Other what he's doing on one hand and are now super upset about his inclusion of faith into his presidency. And so the question that really comes through in my mind is this, where do you draw the line on these kinds of things? Mm. Uh, because the Bible does teach separation of church and state. Separation of church and state, as you all know, is something that I'm passionate about. And in my view, Biden should be reversing what Trump did with the Johnson Amendment. Mm. Um Separation of church and state is a major issue. However, at the same time, as individuals, as human beings, we're people of faith. And where do you... Do you have to stop being a person of faith just because you are in public office? Mm. I don't think so. I think that there is a big difference between legislating faith...
1: That's right.
0: ...and practising faith.
1: And that's the difference when we talk about... The terminology of separation of church and state. We're not saying that Christians or churches or faith groups can't have an opinion or have a stance that they take on political matters, but you can't say, "I believe this," you therefore legislate. you all will.
0: That's do right. This thing. You can't go legislating your doctrines.
1: That's right. Which is because yes. that's a totally different thing.
0: That's right. And, and so if you are. You know, as a religious person, if you, you know, run an event and you choose to pray at that event or you choose to have someone sing a, a hymn at that event or whatever it might be, mm. that is the practice of your faith. Mm. And I would expect anybody who is a genuine Christian to actually practice their faith.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: and, and and to live that in the way that they live. And I like to see that when, you know, when when people do.
1: That's right.
0: Um But I don't like it when somebody starts legislating either for or against faith.
2: Mm, mm -hmm.
0: Which kind of leads into the second story, which also comes out of the United States. I've got a number of stories out of the United States this morning. And this is in California. So in California, they've had a ban on indoor worship services because of COVID. Mm. This has been challenged through the Supreme Court. It's been challenged. You know, There's been a bunch of churches that have put up legal cases because in America they have... Um, you know, they have religious liberty. Unlike Australia, they have a, a constitutional right to worship. And the question is, do you have that even during a pandemic? mm and the fact is that they do. The Supreme Court has now found that they do. I mean, there's been a lot of inconsistencies because, you know, people get together for sports, or they get together for, you know, all kinds of different social events. You've got all of your Hollywood studios that are full of lots of people doing lots of things and, and people singing and doing things in Hollywood studios and so forth. And you've got these cavernous cathedrals and megachurches where the maximum number of people allowed inside them is zero. Mm. You know, so that's very, very obviously the state of California attacking religion and attacking faith, and so that's worked its way all the way through, through to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has said, no, you have a right to worship according to the dictates of your conscience, and if your conscience requires that you worship indoors in a church, uh, in a church service, then you have that right, mm. pandemic or not. It's kind of the cost of. Uh, Religious liberty, isn't it? That
1: is interesting, though. That's it interesting. is. We don't
0: have that in Australia.
1: No. Because mm. it does, to me, it does feel like things like pandemics or things like wars, you know, when circumstances change, it does have an impact on your life.
0: And this is where I think that Christian mean? individual accountability becomes important.
1: Oh, yeah. We've got to use our brains.
0: Uh, because you have to then make a decision, all right, I have the right to do this. Yeah. Do I choose to do so?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Now, I think that, you know, if you're going to have religious liberty, there's going to be a cost to it. Mm, yeah, yeah. And during a pandemic, you're going to have people who are going to worship according to the dictates of their conscience because their conscience says that they must worship indoors in a church and part of the cost of that is that you're going to have high levels of death.
2: Mm.
0: But nothing comes without a cost. Yes. None of our liberties or freedoms come without a cost. And... Yeah, that's part of the cult. But I
1: think it is important that we don't, well...
0: As Christians, bet, as individuals, we need to have a conscience.
1: That's And that's the thing, because I think, yes, there is an element where laws need to be black and white, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think as Christians and just as general people, God has given us minds to use to reason and consider and take into account, hey if we take responsibility for this, there may be this cost. Are we willing to? Do you know what I mean? Rather than Absolutely. Just all yes or all Absolutely. no. Absolutely.
0: Like- and, I mean, hey, there's a lot of discussion out, out there at the moment about how bad the COVID pandemic is and there's, you know, a million different sides to that story and I don't want to get into that right now. No. But let's say, you know, we had something like the Black Death, which was wiping out entire cities down to the last person.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: You know? We're not seeing that with COVID, but we have certainly seen it in the past and at what point... Uh, Do you as a Christian decide to be responsible as a Christian rather than just stubborn as a Christian? That's
1: right. Ooh, yeah. Hard out.
0: You know, because we do have a responsibility to our brother. We are our brother's keeper. That's what the Bible teaches. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So joining us on the phone this morning is Brad Cook. Brad Brad has uh, recently moved to New South Wales uh, from Tasmania. He is a pastor, and we're going to hear a bit of his story this morning. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Okay, we're going to need a bit more volume there on Brad. Okay, I think we've got some more volume there. Brad, um, your last name is Cook, and in my mind, that's a little bit of a uh, famous name from the past. Do you have a, a famous grandfather maybe somewhere on the line?
2: Oh, I don't know about uh, super famous, but uh, I'm sure he's well-known in, in Australia. That um, was Pastor Austin
0: Cook. Okay, so he was your grandfather. Now, um, yes. you don't know this probably, but um, my grandfather was actually uh, brought to Christ and baptised by your grandfather. So there's a little bit of uh, family history that we kind of where we kind of connect back in the past.
2: Oh, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs>
0: Okay, so you've got a grandfather who was a, uh, a very famous evangelist from many, many years ago and uh, really did a tremendous amount of work, brought many people to Christ. And uh, did, as a result of that, has your whole family, uh, are they all Christians? Did you grow up in a Christian home? How does that actually work?
2: Yeah, um, so I did. I grew up in a, in a wonderful Christian home. Um, had uh, good parents. Um, was raised. Uh, with a good knowledge of the Bible, family worships each morning. Um, you know, went to a, a Christian school and uh, at times, you know, we'd visit uh, grandpa on his farm, etc. And um, I just remember occasions where he'd all call us for family worship. <laughs> and uh, we'd all gather around and he'd uh, read out of the Bible. Now, those Some of those memories are very, very special to me as I was growing up
0: now was there a point I mean you, you, you talk about you know the childhood that you had growing up in a Christian home growing up in a, in a home that had family worship going to a Christian school it sounds like you know in many ways the ideal environment in which to raise a child did you maintain your faith right the way through that period uh,
2: no I didn't <laughs> yeah so that's the thing uh, I often share with people who that, that uh, well-known saying you lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink mm. and uh, while i understood uh, the things that i was taught to be true while i uh, believed that jesus was uh, real uh, i myself just was not interested um, and i guess that's because i just hadn't had an experience with jesus personally um, I, I guess i didn't want to i it was just a heart that just didn't want to um, follow God at that time and to have me number one in my life. And I guess, uh, you know, if God's not number one, then someone else becomes number one, and that's yourself.
0: So how long, when, when did that period start, and what actually happened during that period of your life?
2: Look, I think it was, uh I like a while back now, but I think it was, Around high school time, and um, yeah, I just drifted and uh, started engaging in in uh, you know behaviours and, and practices that were just completely um, in opposition to, to to God's way. You know, uh, things that are not unusual for people that have that drift away from God life of, of drugs and, and drinking and and uh, theft and things like that yeah, not something I'm proud of and I, I don't often like to share it too much because it's just not something I just wish I'd never done but that's just the life that, that occurred you know, uh, through my own choices and, and um, yeah, it's, it's a life of regret in many ways but I was just but it, uh, it, it's an experience that that I that I can draw from and it's helped me to, to share Jesus with others.
1: So, Brad, what was it then that from there brought you back to, or just first to God for yourself, having grown up in that culture and then kind of, you know, had had a really different path? What was it that yeah. brought you to Jesus personally? Well. Uh-
2: until uh, probably about 15 years later that um, a friend of mine invited me to church and uh, I thought oh you're serious I'm not that keen <laughs> but uh, he was a friend and uh, I just thought oh, why not and so we we headed along to church and and I remember sitting up the church had a balcony and I remember sitting up in the top balcony there and sort of trying to keep a, a low profile and uh, there was a speaker uh, there preaching, his name was Neil Schofield, and he was sharing uh, of Matthew 24, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And that really spoke to me, because I suddenly woke up and realized that, hey, um, you know, Jesus is coming, so what am I doing with my life, what direction am I taking here? And so that was a, a starting point in, in my return to, to the Lord uh, that afternoon. Uh, well, that during that service I had advertised for an afternoon program, and uh, and my friend had said, "I wanted to go along to this." I thought, like, "Oh, <laughs> it's just highly unusual for me to, to do that." And so, yes, let's do that. So we rode our motorbikes up there attended these afternoon meetings and uh there was a, a preacher there um by the name of sam braga and he was uh, preaching a powerful message on abraham and isaac and connecting that with the father and the son and what jesus was, was willing to do and they just really spoke to me and he made an appeal and and um how i just stood up uh, in front of that whole assembly there and my heart was something in my chest, I was so nervous, but there's nothing else I could do but stand. I, Jesus had come to me about right right at that time and, and made that call. I'd heard appeals so many times before, you know, growing up as a kid, but, but it was this time that, that the call came to me personally and I made that decision for
0: Jesus. Yeah, praise God. Um, now that obviously resulted in a, in, in a journey for you where you ended up doing ministry. How did that actually happen?
2: yeah well, when I was a kid, I remember I had a dream once uh, of uh, speaking in front of people, and I'd always uh, just had this uh, I don't know what you call it an underlying uh, sense that, that God had some sort of calling for my life. but uh, you know when you when you turn from the law that goes, but when I gave my heart back to God, this calling started to to come back and um and I shared a little bit of that with a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine. And uh, he invited me to, to do some Bible work on the northern beaches with him. And so I did that for a year, and during that experience, uh, that call, that conviction that God was calling me to full-time ministry just came on so strong, I just couldn't ignore it. Mm. So I just I just followed that call, and um, yeah, God led me into ministry. <laughs>
0: Now, your, your journey in ministry, uh, you obviously studied for ministry for a number of years and then you had the good fortune of being called to the Promised Land, of course, Tasmania. That's where I grew up, so <laughs> definitely the Promised Land down there. Um, how many years were you down in Tassie for?
2: I was there for a bit over 10 years.
0: And, uh, and how did you enjoy Tasmania?
2: I loved it. Um, Tasmania's a beautiful state, it really is. Um, people say it's freezing, but really it's not as cold as, as you imagine. Um, you just need a good set of thermals and <laughs> you'll be right. Uh, but I had the opportunity to work in a few areas of the state the, the northwest, uh, the northern area, and also down the south. Um, that was a real blessing. Um, I was blessed to, to have an opportunity to, to baptize a number of people. Um, and yeah, it's just wonderful just to be working for God and to be used by Him. I just, consider myself somewhat unworthy it's unusual sometimes I have to pinch myself uh, you know that I'm actually a pastor um, knowing where I'd come from you know what I've done
0: (laughs) how much how much of an effect on your ministry does it have do you think if at all I don't know I'm just asking the question having a grandfather who was um, you know an, an evangelist for so many years
2: oh it's an inspiration for sure um yeah you, you look you look to to him at times you know i mean, I've got cassettes of his sermons and uh, uh, many of his uh, pamphlets and, 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 and books that he's written I find that very encouraging you know and I just uh, yeah he's an inspiration you know faithfulness and his knowledge of the Bible and um, his ability to, to win souls for christ you know i uh, yeah, I just find that a wonderful wonderful example for me to
0: follow mm. outside of crop you know? yeah, absolutely, now you've moved up from Tasmania you are now in New South Wales and I understand you're somewhere in the north of the state so expecting some warmer weather maybe?
2: <laughs> well um, I've been invited to serve at uh, Glen Innes and Tenerfield churches so maybe and, not warmer um, weather <laughs> it's actually not too different from Tasmania and I'm Kind of happy
0: about that. <laughs> so you've gone yeah, from uh, from one of our coolest states to one of the cooler parts in uh, in New South Wales. Yeah,
2: that's right. I'm very grateful. Um, yeah, I could have got a lot
0: hotter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear it gets a lot colder here too, like uh, than Tasmania. But uh, we'll see what that's going to be like. But um,
0: yeah, yeah, well, Charlie speaking Earthen speaking Earthen. speaking as a Tasmanian, I would say that you're in for uh, some colder weather and some and some larger extremes um, up there in yeah. in Glen Innes Tenderfield. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the, the churches there. Um, you, you're pastoring a couple of uh, Adventist churches in Tenderfield and Glen Innes. Uh, what have you got there?
2: All right, so uh, in Glen Innes, uh, we've got a not a large church, but it's a, a mid-sized church. Um, lovely people, and I've only been here for a couple of weeks, but they run a food hub, and uh, they're very enthusiastic about that, and it's just wonderful to see. They have, I think, uh, about up to 70 people coming through each week, um, you know, picking up goods and, and products to, to help them, you know, at, at reduced pricing, so they can just help uh, you know, make ends meet, and it's just a great opportunity to interact with people and uh, and creating creating a space as well to, to share Jesus as that opportunity arises. And the same with Tenerfield Tenerfield's a smaller church again, but runs also runs a food hub, and uh, yeah, they're very passionate about that as well, which is wonderful to see.
0: Yeah, fantastic. What plans have you got for uh, this particular region of New South Wales? What would you well, like look, to see happen?
2: Oh, look! I'd love every member just to not be afraid to share their story of Jesus, mm. um, because that's that's really the most powerful uh, testimony that we have, powerful story that we have, an influence that we have to see what to tell people what Jesus has done for us. Um, I'm just thinking of you know when Jesus uh, released that demon possessed man who lived amongst the tombs. You know and he wanted to follow Jesus and not leave his side but Jesus said go and tell what Jesus has done for you you know and so that's what God places on each of our hearts uh, to go and tell this story what Jesus has done for us and if every member uh, you know does that uh, with courage and and trust in God knowing that the Holy Spirit is working on their behalf um, yeah God can use it yeah uh,
0: others to him. Fantastic. Brad Cook, Pastor Brad Cook, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That was uh, Pastor Brad, Brad Cook from uh, Glen Innes and Tenderfield Churches. And if you are in that area, if you're in that region, then head along and uh, on a Saturday morning to either of his churches. You will meet him there and be blessed by his ministry in that region. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at
2: 1-800-FAITH-FM.